Welcome to From There to Here with your host, Miranda Dekonski. Together, we'll explore our personal journeys and how they have impacted where we are today. We hope that you'll walk away inspired, motivated, energized, and knowing that there is no right or wrong path. Each path is uniquely our own. And now your host, Miranda. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to From There to Here. I'm your host, Miranda Dekonski. I am so excited. I am here today with Anika Zuber. Um, and Anika, welcome. Super happy to have you here. Uh, before we dive into all the awesome things that I want to hear about you, I just would love to hear a little bit about you. Where are you at? What do you do? Um, I learned before we even pushed record, I learned so much about you. Like you're in, you're in London, originally California and all of that fun stuff. want to hear it all. Amazing. Thank you so much, Miranda, for having me. And as I said, right before we hit record, this is an awesome podcast. I'm so excited that you're starting your podcasting journey and really just sharing the human side of customer success as well and really sharing everyone's stories. I really love it. As you mentioned, my name's Anika Zuber. I'm a customer success leader. I've been in the customer success space long before it was coined customer success, back before it was account management, et cetera. I'm also a podcast host as well. So I really love being on this side of the mic today. And then um, I'm a dog mom, as we talked about. I am an American living in London. Uh, The California accent has still hung on, even though it's 10 years abroad. I am born and bred in Orange County, California, and I'm super honored and excited really to be speaking to you today all about obviously my journey. Yeah. And I can like, I get nervous when I interview folks who do podcasts. because I like, look at you all like, oh my God, you got this, you know (laughs) what you're doing. And here I am trying to just figure it out and learn it. Um, No, you're doing amazing. I am loving every single episode so far. I've been actively listening to everyone and I am so honored and excited to to talk today. Thank you, Anika. I really appreciate it. So you grew up in Orange County. Mm-hmm. Um, and one, I want to know what, what took you to London or what took you abroad? And then yeah. I also would love to hear just a little bit about what was life like growing up in Orange County? I, I, I just want to share, you know, I grew up in rural Michigan and many have heard, you know, many folks that know me have heard me talk about that. And as a kid, I always thought like California was just the bee's knees. Like that's where I wanted to go. (laughs) Yeah. And I always, you know, I, I, I remember I, I had a very, very strong relationship with my grandmother, um, Laura, and she passed away in the late, I think early nineties. Um, but she was born in 1906 and she was just a very special woman to me. And we used to watch the price is right together. And I remember being a little girl telling my grandma, I'm like, when I get older and I can drive, I'm going to drive us to California. We're going to go on the prices, right? And we used to plan out our trip and everything. And of course she passed away before I turned 16. And honestly, when you're like six, seven, eight years old, you don't have a concept for how far away from Michigan, California really is. (laughs) But I think my fascination really started then, like with the prices, right? Now here I am living in California. So I would love to hear like, what was that like growing up here? I know. I love it because I love that you live in California now and in some way, lived out that dream. You made it out there, which is awesome. Um, And I also love that you watch Price is Right with your grandmother because I did similarly the same thing. It was Price is Right or Wheel of Fortune. Those were our shows that we we watched. 
podcast together. Yes, yes. So I, I love that someone else grew up watching that as well. So, um, but growing up in sunny Orange County, Southern California, um, was amazing. I won't, I won't lie about that. It was lovely weather, obviously a very, very nice affluent part of the world. Um, I grew up in a typical Bangladeshi American household. My mom, uh, who raised us was a single immigrant mother. So she really obviously strived to give us the best life that we could obviously have. And she did a great job of that, obviously being raised in, in such a nice part of the world. And I think a lot of people have a stereotype of Orange County, which is semi-true. It is, again, an affluent area, but it is also kind of like an area where a lot of people, I grew up around a lot of other immigrant families as well, and just a lot of people who are proving or living out that American dream of, hey, we've moved here, we're really trying to build a better life and a better position for our children um, by giving them the best that life can offer. And that's obviously kind of where I've come from. And a lot of my grit and perseverance and how I actually carry myself every day, I think is a lot to do with the fact that I come from an immigrant family background. And as much as sunny Orange County, California is amazing. And every single time I go back, I I miss it dearly. But I did grow up around a lot of the same kids. I went from kindergarten up to university because I also went to UCI, which is in Orange County as well. And I ended up going to school with some of the same people. And I just realized the world is a is a very small place in that sense. And the bubble gets smaller and smaller, much like if you're, you know, working in the tech sector in Northern California, you basically know everyone. And I think that my mom, again, raised us to travel around the world. I traveled a lot with her. Um, she she worked abroad a lot and she t- took us along, which was really lovely. And we were able to kind of see the world. And I realized, hey, I really want to get out of my norm. And being completely honest, it was supposed to be a year. I even had a return ticket booked um, one year later, but one year has turned into 10. And now I'm I'm here in London. I actually spent four and a half years in Germany and now six years in England. So I'm definitely an expat, but I'm feeling a bit more settled now in England, but I won't say forever because you never know where life's going to take you. But yeah. Yeah, I, I, that's awesome. I um, I come. I'm. I don't know if I can say this yet, but I am going to be in London, uh, Ooh. in June. I'm not going <gasps> to say why because it's kind of top secret. Um, but hopefully it'll be announced by the time this goes live. <laughs> so, oh my gosh, how exciting. <laughs> to see each other. I know. I mean, I would be so, I'm like, we have to book in a day to have drinks and dinner. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm so pumped. Um, so I I would love to hear a little bit more about, you know, you mentioned that your mom was a single mom. I was a single mom with my son for 10 years. Mm. And it was a schlag. Like, I felt like I had my son so young. Um, that, you know, I hate to say this because this sounds terrible, but we kind of grew up together for like (laughs) a little bit, but we have this very close relationship now. Mm -hmm. Um, So are there any moments in your childhood that you think really mapped you to where you are today? Any memories that you have that kind of put you on the path that you took? Yeah, I that's a good question. And I think thinking about this podcast and also just thinking about kind of like where I've come to from now, it made me also think about my childhood a bit more. And yeah, the 
single mom thing is, is tough. I looking back at it, I'm like, how did she do it? She was literally my age raising children. I'm just like, I don't have kids uh, of my own. And I'm just like, wow, she did that. She did it with two kids by herself on a single income and all the single moms out there. Uh, I commend you because you are literally superheroes. And I think a, a lot of seeing her, yeah, determination of giving us a better life and always working towards that. And, you know, being honest, she didn't make it to every school play or she didn't make it to, you know, every PTA meeting, which at that time I was disappointed because I'm like, hey, everyone else's mom made it or something like that. And I and I was lucky that we had aunts and uncles growing up around us that also made up for that as well. But I have to say that, you know, showing me that, you know, she was able to be that mom as well as that career professional woman and really, you know, be the breadwinner for our family has kind of taken the barriers down. I know as females, especially as female leaders, a lot of times we have to go up against a lot of different things being minoritized in the boardroom or in the, in the working space. And I think that seeing her do it, just, it took the fear out from, from me. It just, it made it normal. It's like, yeah, of course I'm going to be a, a successful businesswoman because my mom showed me that that was definitely possible. So I think that having that kind of, yeah, image of, of my mom working like that really kind of highlighted that, yeah, there's, there's no, there's never a fear moment for me. It's more of like, that. that's just how it's going to be. So I think seeing that really helped me. Oh, that's, oh, <laughs> I really love that as a, as a mom that really uh, worked hard to give my son a better life than I had. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, it just, that makes my heart really warm. <laughs> so thank you for doing that. Don't get enough credit for sure. Yeah. And I think that you never see it, but I think everyone feels it, how important a mom is and how they shape your life. And then also just how much they do. That is again, an unsaid, uh, part of everything. Like my mom would wake up so early in the morning to pack our lunches before she then dropped us off of school before she then went for her, you know, eight hour, nine hour work day. And I'm just like, wow, me meal prepping is a lot of work sometimes. And I'm like, my mom did that for us all the time. And so I guess you you learn to appreciate these things later in life, which, you know, mom's listening to this. I really appreciate it. So yeah. That's awesome. What did you want to do when you were little? You know, I had many things what I wanted to do when I was little. And I, it went from like, I wanted to be a teacher to, I wanted to, um, be a lawyer, by the way, that was a big part. I wanted to go to law school. That was, I was determined to be like, uh, (laughs) in suits. I was like, well, Meghan Markle's now, you know, a part of the Royal family. But back then she was definitely like the ideal, like, Oh, let me wear a suit and, and walk into a courtroom. But there was a number of things I wanted to do. That was definitely nothing to do with customer success. But I, you know, it's funny. I was talking to, oh gosh, who was it yesterday? I think it was uh, Sherry. Um, I'm going to butcher her last name. Shrebnik, I think is how you say it. Mm -hmm. Uh, And Sherry, actually, she wanted to be a lawyer as well. So did Christy Felterusso. So did me. I had like (laughs) about in my twenties where I was like, okay, I think I'm going to go into law. I, I don't know what it is. I'm finding this commonality in customer success with a lot of folks who. That's so to funny. I know. That's so funny. I didn't, I didn't realize that all these people wanted to be lawyers. I even studied political science for my bachelor's and my master's. And I was very determined until I did basically 
a legal internship and quickly realized I was like, nope, not going to be for me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If, if you could though, try any occupation other than your own, what would you try? Uh, just say no barriers. You have all the skill sets you need. Money is no object. What would you do or try? Oh gosh, another great question. I think two things immediately come to mind. Um, and one is like a surgeon. So like I I was never good at biology or the sciences. I was just not my thing. I was more of history, English kind of person. And I'm always fascinated. I'm like, wow, these these surgeons are able to, you know, open heart transplants or brain surgery. I'm like, wow, I I can't even, you know, think, imagine even, you know, stabbing someone with a needle and doing it right or something. I'm like, it's amazing, obviously, how intelligent and how skilled surgeons are. I think that's like the first thing that comes to mind. If I could have any amount of money or time, I mean, med school would be awesome. I don't know if I'd do it successfully, but I think becoming a surgeon would be really cool. Oh, yeah. I, you're the first person to say that. I find that really fascinating, but I, I think the, the premise of, you know, like saving lives and helping people and making people's lives more livable or better. Like I really can get behind that. I don't know if I can get behind the idea of having to actually operate on a person. <laughs> I don't know. I think it's just like, yeah, I, I love the saving lives part, but I think it's so cool. Like, wow, you get to like hold a human heart or something like that's something that you don't think of daily. Cause obviously it's on the inside of you, but like, it's amazing that there's people out there that are constantly operating. I'm like, you guys are amazing. <laughs> they really are. They really are. And if there are any doctors or surgeons listening, thank you. Yeah, <laughs> thank you definitely. for being so amazing. <laughs> yeah. uh, so you have had great success in your journey. Is there a skill set or an attribute or something that you think has made you this successful? Yeah, I, I like that question. I think if I look back at my career and everything I've done and kind of where it's led me to today, I feel like perseverance, grit, and consistency. I think a lot, the last one is probably the strongest there. And I think a lot of people forget that. I mean, if you think about when we're, yeah, it's a new year, people are probably on a weight loss journey right now. And, or, you know, somebody who wants to become a manager at some point, like, I think, you know, we're also in the age of instant gratification. Consistency ends up being almost the last thing you think about. And if you're consistent with something, if you keep chipping away at a problem or you keep working towards something, I think ultimately there will come the right time, the right moment, the right opportunity that presents itself that ends up, you know, giving you that step up. And I think me being consistent in, you know, customer success, as well as a few other aspects of my life and really honing in on that has led to me persevering, succeeding. And, and I really do think that if I look back on it, like even moving abroad at, at a young age, right after I graduated university, and then, you know, having this new life in a new country with a new language, if I wasn't persistent on staying, or if I didn't have the consistency of, you know, I'm going to see this through, I would have just gone home or I would have stayed in my comfort zone and I wouldn't have, you know, pushed myself to do something else. So I do think that those things are kind of built into to seeing success. I agree. Getting out of your comfort zone too is just such a huge one. You just kind of touched upon it a little bit. Um, did you end up learning 
German when you lived in Germany? Do you speak fluently? I wish. I wish I said fluently. I did learn. Um, I always worked in English when I was there. Um, that was the primary reason that I was, you know, able to secure my visa and work there. But uh, I did learn. My company did like, you know, pay for German lessons. And I did try to speak as much German as I could, especially with Germans. But the the hard part of being an expat, and if there are any expats listening, when you are in a different country, a lot of people naturally gravitate towards English being the common language that everyone can speak and communicate with. So a lot of my friends from, you know, all parts of the world, China, Russia, Nigeria, all of us spoke English. So it was natural for us to converse back in English as well. Um, I can obviously continue to speak German, but it keeps slipping more further and further away as I don't use it daily anymore. But um, no, I didn't learn it fluently and I wish I did. But again, the the English part made it kind of hard. Yeah, I, I lived in Mexico for a year mm-hmm. uh, in the early 2000s. I don't know if you remember the whole big Y2K Um, Everybody thought in 1999, you know, we were all hustling around thinking that when the computers clicked over to 2000, like the world was just going to cease to exist. I know, I I remember that. (laughs) (laughs) I was actually in the middle of a move uh, to Mexico and I moved down there and lived there for a year. And I will tell you, it was the best experience ever in in my life. Um, I have no regrets ever for doing it because one, I, I now speak Spanish pretty fluently. I learned another culture. Um, I learned how to navigate in a world where I just didn't understand anything. Um, I didn't understand the street signs. I, you know, thought in miles per hour and everything there was in kilometers. I thought in, you know, degrees Fahrenheit and everything there was in Celsius. Like my whole brain just had to completely shift and learn things that we had been taught from, you know, birth up Mm -hmm. until, you know, up until our adult lives had to relearn that all. Do you remember that journey? I do. And I was just thinking as you were sharing that, like our bodies have a moment of like fight or flight and you just got to figure it out. Like you said, and like, I remember when I moved to Germany, it was, you know, even simple things like they have three different types of water. Like for example, they have still water and then they have like low fizzy and high fizzy water. And I was just like, what? what? Exactly. I'm like, what? You either have like water or fizzy water. Like why are there levels of fizziness? And even like you said, the kilometers things, I was always, you know, living in miles and in Fahrenheit. And now in Europe, it's always uh, kilometers or it's Celsius as well. And just little things like that. You really have to, again, you know, persevere and really figure things out and just realize how much it shapes and changes you as a human, because you're just built to do things in a certain way. And a lot of my Americanisms have stuck, but even now living in England, sometimes I spell things with a S instead of a Z or with the O-U. And I'm so upset at myself when I do it because I'm like, no, this is wrong. This is not the way you spell it. But because I live here and because I see it all the time and it's just how I'm I'm functioning now that you kind of change and you adapt just like you did when you were in Mexico. Yeah, absolutely. So let's pretend we're a hundred years in the future. Okay. Okay. And somebody's looking back and thinking about everything that you've done. What do you want them to think of you for? What do you want your legacy to be? Oh 
That's such a big question. I know. (laughs) (laughs) It it just takes a lot because you're like, whoa, I, I left a mark. How did I leave my mark? And I would love to inspire others to be kind to one another and to always be grateful for everything you have in life at the moment you have it. Because again, I think coming back to how we leave our lead our lives these days, we're always seeing what others are doing, or we're always trying to chase what's the next big thing, or, you know, how can I make myself richer or more successful or happier, or you're always kind of chasing what's next. And I hope that my legacy is to really inspire everyone to be kind because it really, it does not take any energy to be a kind person and also to just be grateful for the life you're living right now, because it is exactly perfect at this moment right now. That's what people take away. That is so, that is so awesome. I, I love that. I did gloss over one question that I tend to ask everybody and, you know, I'm like, "Ah, I'm going to ask it. Okay. You're thinking back on just maybe your career or personal path. Have you made any big mistakes along the way that gave you great learning lessons? Yeah. (laughs) So many. (laughs) I know. Me too. (laughs) I, I, I love that you share this question too. Again, bringing back to the like, we're all human, like we've all made mistakes and it's okay. I think if you're working somewhere and it's not okay to make a mistake, you're not working at the right place because you have to have that freedom and that space to make a mistake because that's the only way you can learn. Um, But when I saw this question and I was thinking about it, I was like, there was this one time in the early days of being a CSM and I was told to basically email accounts that were being shut down or because we had a freemium model and these customers were no longer, you know, actively using it and were no longer pursuing it. So we were just like, let's shut all these accounts down. And I had to send an email to thousands of accounts and I was going to set it up in an, in an email automation uh, HubSpot at the time. And I didn't check who I was sending the email to and I triggered the email to go out at local times across the world. And it was supposed to send to the customers that were no longer using our our tool or or their accounts are basically dormant. And I sent it to all of our active high paying customers that their account would be immediately shut down if they did not get in contact with us or like, you know, let us know about, and, and again, total rookie mistake of my part, but the next morning, we literally had a flood of emails in support, everyone like calling or leaving messages to everyone saying, what are you doing? Why are you shutting down my account? And I had to basically explain to my boss, to my teammates, to everyone that I had made a mistake and who I sent an email to about this and that it was, I don't want to say a threatening email, but it basically said, get in contact if you don't, otherwise goodbye to all your, your accounts. And Oh my gosh. All all I can say is lesson learned is like, I triple check who I send an email to now. Like I have never like BCCCC doesn't matter. I'm like, I need to check who I'm sending this email to. And (laughs) biggest learning is check who you email. (laughs) That will forever stay with you. Like you will always remember that moment, that feeling. Yeah. But uh, again, I think it's good. I think it's a, a good mistake. And thank you for sharing that because 
I mean, we've all done stuff like that. Every one of us have done stuff like that, but we don't talk about it. We don't talk no. about it publicly. No, um, and I did it to thousands of people. Literally, I was like, wow, good job, Anika. Great job. Awesome. But I learned. And from then I am like, I, I triple check. I do test emails, everything, you name it. I'm like, I am not going to do that again. <laughs> and then you probably train everybody that you work with as well. So exactly. your learnings are multiplied infinitely. Exactly. exactly. I, I tell my team so many times, whether we say a customer newsletter, whether it's, you know, anything, a mass emailer, I'm like, did you test it? Did you email everyone internally? Did you triple? Like, I always am saying you should test everything and then send it to your personal email first, and then we'll finally send it to the customer. (laughs) Well, thank you for sharing that. We are going to wrap up with one last question. Mm -hmm. Okay. If you could have dinner with any two people dead or alive, who would they be and why? Another great question. I just love all the questions you're asking your guests, Miranda, but this one is semi-easy for me because they're super inspirational and they're still alive. And my answer would be the Obamas. And I absolutely, mostly Michelle Obama, but obviously Barack being um, the first African-American president as well. I just think that the way they've kind of shaped and changed the world and also their outlook, they're just so happy, positive people. I mean, obviously they have their, you know, moments as well. And they're not always perfect, but they tend to at least try to be very, very positive people and always trying to be the change that they hope to see in the world. And I think that that's inspirational. And I would love to obviously just pick their brain and have dinner with them. So if they're listening ever, uh, yeah, I'd love to have dinner. <laughs> if you're listening, I'm passing out right now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you are the third guest that has chosen the Obamas. Um, oh, okay. And every yeah, guest has type here lawyers, Obamas. I know. <laughs> I know. I know. Anika, thank you so much for spending the time with me today and uh, being the first person I spoke with today. First human. I know. Nice (laughs) early way to start the morning. Thank you so much for having me again. Thank you for changing the world with your podcast and really humanizing CS. I love it. And I can't wait to listen to more. Wonderful. Thank you, Anika. Thanks for listening today. We hope that you enjoyed this episode of From There to Here. Check back weekly for new episodes. For more conversations about this episode and more, please feel free to follow Miranda on LinkedIn. See you soon.